Welcome to the Barfly Podcast Season 2. My name is Jeff Burkhart, Barfly columnist for the Marin IJ and author of the book 20 Years Behind Bars and its newly released sequel, 20 Years Behind Bars, Volume 2, Parole Denied. Today, my co-host is Kevin Blum, Community Director for the online review site, Yelp. Welcome, Kevin. So don't worry about tomorrow, take it for today, forget about the chat, we'll get hell to pay, have a drink on me. We're here today with Joan Simon with uh, Full Plate Consulting, uh, one of the top hospitality restaurant marketing firms uh, and consulting firms here in the Bay Area. And she has been behind some of the, uh, well, you've launched many restaurants in your day, and uh, we're very lucky to have you here. And maybe you can tell us a few words about uh, what it is that you do for um, restaurants, aspiring restaurant tours, and all that good stuff. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. This is, I'm actually a podcast virgin. We'll be gentle. Yes, we'll be gentle. This is my first podcast. And so uh, Full Plate is a collective of specialists. Uh, We've been around for over 20 years, and we've launched hundreds of restaurants in various ways. Uh, Sometimes we do everything from soup to nuts. Sometimes we do one area. So that could be design, it could be marketing, a big piece of what I do is drafting business plans and doing strategic planning so that there's a bottom line uh, approach to what's going to make a restaurant successful because you can have all the ideas in the world, but if you don't make money, you're out of business. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, the funny thing is most people forget restaurants are businesses, right? They're not just places to hang out or or things of that nature. So part of that thing is uh, a lot of restaurants don't really have that, which is kind of surprising sometimes to me being in in the restaurant industry as long as I have, where you realize some people are just flying by the seat of their pants. So that's where you come in and and kind of straighten that sort of thing out. Yes, it's pretty amazing um, how people, they watch the Food Network. I really blame it all on the Food Network. (laughs) And they say, oh, I can make lasagna. I make great lasagna. Everybody loves my lasagna. I think (laughs) I'll open up a restaurant and they go to their mom, their dad, their brother, their sister, whoever, a couple of friends. And they say, you love my lasagna. Why don't you give me, you know, some money? to open up a restaurant and they have no idea of the grunt work that's involved and that in fact their great recipe won't even work in the restaurant because they have no idea how to scale it to to feed a lot of people people exactly exactly that's always what i say about making drinks is oh that's great you can make one of those but can you knock out 200 of those on a friday night in 45 minutes yeah. <laughs> Not likely. Not likely. Right? So all the best intentions in the world don't necessarily equate to uh, success. That's right. So what does then this lasagna chef do when she meets with you? Well, the first thing is they get a huge reality check. I consider my greatest success when I talk someone out of doing this. It's a really, really tough business, and I play the devil's advocate. One of the biggest things that they're shocked at, I just had this happen the other day with a chef called me and he and his wife want to open a place and he had all these ideas why his food will be better. And I said, how much money do you have? How much money have you raised? And he said, $50,000. And I said, that doesn't begin to touch it. I haven't had an ice cream shop open for less than $350,000. Well, again, people, they get that, and pun intended, pie in the sky kind of idea that mm-hmm. everything is going to work out great and that they're just going to be able to... I, I did an interview where uh, uh, they were talking to me about this place in San Francisco and it all sounded great. And then at the end of the interview, the managing partner says, 
do you know any chefs? <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? You mean like sous chefs? And he said, no, we're looking for an executive chef. Right. And yeah. I said, how can you even think about opening a restaurant when you don't have an executive chef? Yeah. But people do it all the time. And that restaurant failed in six months. Sure. Wow. I mean, I can go on and on about I. I see the failures as well as the successes. I see the mistakes. And not to be conceited, but time and time again, people come back to me and say, I should have listened to you. (laughs) People don't necessarily know when to pull the trigger. So you can tell someone, you need to do this. You need to do this now. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to multitask. And they're like, oh, no, I'm dealing with the equipment. That will have to wait. And then they don't do it, and then it ultimately costs them money. So like deferred maintenance is one of the classics in in, in, in established restaurants is people don't fix anything, Mm -hmm. and then it breaks, and the whole weekend's lost because, you know, the refrigeration doesn't work. Exactly. The wine's warm, whatever it is, right? Exactly. But when it comes to launching, you have to be good at multitasking. You also have to be good at putting your ego aside and recognizing that, you know, there was a guy at Harvard, I tell all my clients that there's nine kinds of intelligence that he recognized. There's hand-eye coordination is a kind of intelligence. There's being able to hear and listen uh, versus being verbal is a different kind of intelligence. And not everybody has the same kind. And so no one person can do everything well. Right. And a lot of people are in the business and they think they can. And so they really do need to rely on a team of people to get things done in, in the proper way. The other huge mistake that people make, I hear this all the time, is, oh, I have a friend who can do my website. Right. Oh, or God. my, yeah. my I've cousin heard that one does yeah. this, right. blah, yeah. blah, blah. Well, my retort is always your friends and family don't do you favors. They only think they do. And you will end up at the bottom of the list because they're getting paid by somebody else. So if all of a sudden a paying job comes along, what you want them to do goes to the bottom of the list. And it's not done on time and then you're screwed. Or it turns out they don't do it the way you want it done and then you end up losing a friend or you have stress in the family situation. It's not good... You should get what you pay for. Family members make terrible partners. Yeah. Right? They just don't. I mean, because you can't do anything about it, right? You're stuck with these people, whether you like them or not. And it's interesting about the team of experts is that it is amazing how many people do not consult anybody about uh, how, how to, to you know, design a, co- a cocktail list or a menu or a food item or a kitchen. I've seen, you know, I've stood in kitchens where the architect is talking to the, the owner about how to set up the bar and neither one of them have any idea mm-hmm. how to do it. And it's like you, the first day you walk in, you say, where, where's the ice scoop go? Right. And they've never thought of that because they've never done it. They also don't understand what marketing is about and what marketing means. To them, marketing is, oh, we're designing a website and we're getting a PR agent. Marketing is so much broader than that. It's literally how you design your menu, not just what's on the menu, but the layout of the menu. It's about the design of the restaurant. It's about any number of aspects. It's all about what the public sees is is marketing and you have to be really strategic in how you plan that and branding is part of that. So what is your brand? I look at social media. Social media has kind of two functions. If you look at say Facebook, Facebook's very good for transmitting detailed information. We're having this event and we want you to do and here's all the different things you need to do if you want to buy a ticket for this event or you want to participate. Here's all the menu items. You can get that all on Facebook. You can't get that on Instagram. 
Instagram is about building your brand. So what does your brand look like visually to somebody? A lot of people make the mistake with social media of repeating from Facebook the same thing over to Instagram. But Instagram has to be this instant hit. Mm -hmm. And it all has to be visual and it has to be short and catchy. So you need to adjust that and think of one as brand identity and the other as marketing information. That's interesting because we, we had uh, uh, somebody on the show before, Deanna Haven uh, with the Lipsies, and mm-hmm. she talked about the importance of having something at your restaurant that is Instagram worthy. Right. You know, that's that's going to be, you know, quote unquote, buzzworthy that people want to you know take selfies in front of or, or whatnot and then post it. Is that something that you would recommend for the restaurants you consult on? Absolutely. It depends upon what the restaurant is. Some restaurants, it's going to be literally what's on the plate, is right. what's Instagrammable. Mm-hmm. Other places, it's going to be what it looks like. I'm working with um, a new place that's going to be opening in the Castro. That's kind of a small plates Indian or progressive Indian restaurant. Um, I don't know. Can I do a plug here? Sure. sure. And it's going to be called Boga. It's on Castro Street right across from the theater. And because it's across from the movie theater, we know a lot of people will come in for just a quick bite and something to drink beforehand or come in afterwards. So there's one booth that we're trying to create with this kind of a little bit over the top chandelier, et cetera, that would be a fun place for right. people as a group to take a picture of. We'll see if it works. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's always the thing about the rest is you can wish for, hope for, and plan for anyone you want. But when you open those doors, whoever comes in is whoever comes in. And that can make it difficult sometimes in the restaurant business because you have to, you, like you said, it's not just one aspect of it. Like it's not just the lasagna, but how do you attract the people who like that lasagna? How do you attract the people who are interested in that? And, and are those people even in the neighborhood you're opening the place at? Right? Those are all things that are factors that people don't consider well studies have consistently shown and i use the word consistently that people want consistency yes so uh, studies have shown you can have the greatest food in the world but if you have terrible service people will not come back if you have okay food but great service and the food is consistent then people will come back, especially in neighborhood restaurants. Example of the lasagna restaurant, Mm -hmm. if your signature dish is going to be this one pesto lasagna, it better taste the same all the time. You better have the kitchen really dialed in. You better have your measurements correct. You better have a committed staff that listens to what you say about how to prepare the dish and doesn't decide last minute to get creative with it. Because... People will say to their friends, oh, we have to go to this place because the pesto lasagna is so great. And then they go and they're like, oh, my God, this wasn't like what it's been before. I'm so embarrassed. Yeah. And then that leads to some negative Yelp reviews. Yes. Exactly. It totally screws you on, on Yelp. And that is what's important. Speaking of Yelp, what I tell people, I hear about launches. Well, we're going to have a soft opening. (laughs) There is no such thing as a soft opening because of Yelp. You better be ready the first day. And I get owners who say, oh, but I've been paying rent and I got delayed by the planning department and I got delayed by this and I'm paying rent and we have to open this day. And I'm like, your kitchen is not dialed in, dude. You're going to push it three days and not give your people extra training and risk 
all the bad Yelp reviews right. you'll get because well, they put in all that work and then they blow it at the last second. Well, the old the first impressions, right? You only get one chance to make a first impression, and with Yelp right. now everyone's going to know about that first impression. Yeah, right? it's, it's amazing. Even if it's a soft first impression, right. yeah, yeah, it's still in a first impression. And and the prices aren't cheaper on a soft opening; they're the same price. Yeah, they're not. Right? Well, what I actually try to do with most of my clients, rather than a soft opening, I do a dry run where we invite in specific people. It's friends. It's family. It's neighborhood people we might know but we run it like a restaurant you make a re- reservation so that we know our reservation system is working right mm-hmm. you pay for your drinks so that we know that the pos right uh, sure. point of sale system is working you get free food we usually have a more limited menu that we're concentrating on the things that we think people will like but that gives us feedback as to right. what people really did like i remember several years ago doing one of these dry run parties, everybody there disliked one particular soup. They all said it was too salty, so we had to go back and reformulate the soup. Right. Well, that's good to, to, for feedback, right? That's the thing, you know, and, and consistency is often overlooked in, in a restaurant environment. And a lot of that's got to do with, you know, uh, well, mixologists and, and chefs wanting to put their mark on something. You know, I've t- told Kevin of this story about this breakfast place I go to, and I always get the same thing. And every time I go, it's different. It's not bad, but it's <laughs> right. different. And it's un, it's unsettling because I never know what I'm going to get. And after a while, I stop going. It's weird, right? Yeah, well, it, from the sense of social media and, and getting the word out, you also want, if you want to have a signature item that's drawing people and is making it worthy of being a destination, it has to be the same. You want everybody to be writing and saying, you've got to try the pesto lasagna. Right. It's absolutely amazing. As opposed to two out of three people say it and the third person says, well, it must have been an off night because it really right. was right. terrible. So to sum up, what are three great ideas for a restaurant that's going to open? What would, what would be your three top recommendations? Three top recommendations. Well, the first thing is to not skimp on marketing. People get very tied up in all the equipment needs and the kitchen needs and the construction needs and they don't plan for marketing at all. They have all the infrastructure and they don't then know what to do to generate revenue. So I think- If you build it, they will come, hope. Exactly. So that's number one. Number two, you better plan finance-wise beyond construction. I'm amazed at people who come to me and they have enough money for the construction and they don't have any money for anything else. They don't think about all the little things like you have to put a deposit on your insurance right. the policy. Right. What is your inventory going to cost you? Um, what kind of wine list are you having? So I'm working on a very high-end um, project down in Palo Alto called Etan. Uh, which is, coincidentally is also just happens to be a Cal Indian. Um, and it hasn't been announced who it is yet, but we have a Michelin-starred chef. It's going to be really an exceptional space, um, very destination-worthy. And we're looking, what is the wine list? So we have a budget. Where's the wine list fit into that? Do we have 90 different bottles on our list, or do we have 125 different bottles on the list? Okay. Where does that all fit in? In this case, 
the owners are very smart and have thought about this, but I have so many people, especially on a smaller level, who don't. They don't think about what it costs to go out and buy dishes and glassware. And the specialty glassware, it's not that you're just buying wine glasses, but if you're having somebody like yourself create really wonderful cocktails that are the cocktails are going to bring people in, you need special glassware to show those cocktails off. Yeah. And that's what's your Instagrammable moment. Yeah is these photographs of these over the top, you know, we, I mean, there's cocktail porn just like there's food porn. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's number two. What's number three? Number three has to do with staff. So staff labor is the toughest challenge these days. I think that you need to figure out who is really, really key and probably in this day and age, you have to pay them a little bit more. You have to, or do something that is going to foster their loyalty. I have a client, their attitude is, oh, well, we'll bring in the chef. And if the chef doesn't work out after six months, we'll get another chef. And we just want to get open and we just want to do, you know, whatever. Do you understand that if you change chefs in six months, your reputation is that you're inconsistent. Right. That people don't know what to expect. So you can do that, but if you bring in somebody six months from now, that person better be a killer. And the really good people are going to be hesitant to come in if you couldn't keep your chef for more than six months. I guess number three is don't be desperate. Really determine what your vision is and stick to it and find the right people to execute it. Building a team before you open, I think, is one of the most important things. And one of the things I would add to that is good people usually already have jobs and they're not going to leave a good job for an uncertain job. And I think that's kind of right to the point of what you're talking about there. No, exactly. That's why I say you need to offer them more than they're getting. And more than market is, and that's how you'll foster loyalty. So don't worry about tomorrow. Take it for today. Please join us next time when we welcome back Jason Sims, General Manager of Bungalow 44 in Mill Valley, to talk restaurant reboots. My name is Jeff Burkhart. Thanks for listening.